Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Harder to Kill podcast. I'm your host, host coach Shannon. And this week I got Dr. Dave back on the podcast. Um, if you don't know who he is, he is a physical therapist. Um, he's been to the gym a few times, did a seminar talk here and also has been on the podcast before. So go back and listen to that one as well. We have a good conversation about like pain management and physical therapy and all that stuff. Um, I would say the most notable thing about him though, is that he's, uh, John Haggerty's brother. (laughs) I will always be the case. Yeah. John Haggerty's little brother. Don't forget that part. I'm bigger than him and I could beat him up. Okay. Well, there you go. But, um, so yeah, that's funny because that's kind of how like I met you and that's kind of how like started was mm-hmm. like, remember the first time you walked in the door and I met you and you're just like, yeah, I'm John's little brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's hard. Like, to Do you have a name? <laughs> it's hard to introduce yourself as the younger sibling when people know like your older sibling, right? It's like, well, I wouldn't I know because like, I'm the older sibling. Yeah. So, I mean, I should have just been like, I'm David Haggerty. I'm a physical therapist. Like, <laughs> but there's this, there's this internal doubt, you know, like they're not going to know who the hell I am. So they're going to be like, Haggerty, are you yeah. John? Are you related yeah. to John? And then you're going to be like, yeah, duh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, why do you yeah. think I'm here? So anyway, that's your relationship to us. Um, previously, like, I, I guess just to kind of like make this relatable. Um, as we know, uh, you could even be a person listening to this. Like you may have tried physical therapy, done physical therapy for whatever, like injuries or aches and pains that you've had before. And so that was kind of like our jumping off point with you and kind Mm -hmm. of where we started. Um, Mm -hmm. I looked up when you were on the pod last and it was literally like April. And, um, so I think it might be awesome for you to kind of tell us like, what have you been doing since April? Oh, that's, uh, yeah, that is a good point. So I have, uh, an online coaching, um, and it's, it's rehab. It's an online platform. Uh, in my opinion, what most people need out of like physical therapy, um, especially when they're active in training, it should look a lot like, it should look a lot like cross. If you do CrossFit, it should look a lot like CrossFit. It's mm-hmm. going to be catered more towards, uh, things that are going to move the needle forward for you. Um, if you're, uh, my target is typically, um, weightlifters, powerlifters, and people who want to like get stronger, but don't really know how to start. And like you guys, yeah. I think you guys have a great gym where you, um, you know, you get people doing stuff that matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a significant amount of the population that CrossFit really just isn't their thing. And I was, I was a CrossFitter. I still kind of am. Yeah. Um, Hey, let's go back to the compliments about our gym. I always like to hear those. I think you guys do a really good job. What else is great about us, Dave? Tell me. Well, I think, I mean, you, you block program, like you have goal oriented programming as opposed to just random stuff. Yeah. Um, I was partly kidding, but here you go. No, I mean, I think (laughs) as if everything is like this, right. There's, there is people doing it well. And there's people who are just taking advantage of the brand to try to make money as, and we all need to make money, but like the, it's, it's like being a physical therapist. Like I was just going to say that it's physical therapy too, right? Like there's some physical therapists. I mean, there's so many different like realms, you know, and specialties to be in that like, you're not a one size fits all. Like you don't, 
maybe know how you don't specialize in probably like women's health associated to physical therapy. Like there's just, there's a lot of different, you can't just be like a jack of all trades with it. Like it's helpful if you like kind of specialize in an area and that's like what you know about and you don't try to be like, oh yeah, I can fix all your problems, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and people want their problem fixed. They don't want me to. So my wife's shameless plug. My wife is a postnatal PT and pelvic health. Yeah. Um, you don't want me doing that because yeah. I, I don't know. Like, yeah. I, and I haven't shared that experience of a being a woman um, and right. B, doing probably the most difficult thing human beings do, which is give birth to another human being. Yeah. I used this analogy with somebody the other day, women give birth. Um, okay. So you, you, you hurt your shoulder, you have shoulder surgery, you get six months off of work to rehab your shoulder. You mm. have a baby, you get six to 12 weeks to start raising that baby. And then you go back to work. Does mm-hmm. that seem appropriate? Like, and, and no follow-up health. So that's a shameless rant, but women are, women are the stronger sex. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, it's all relative. I mean, it's yes. just, it's just different. Um, and yeah, I mean, I could probably, I'll probably, I should invite her on the pod to talk about, um, women's health that way, because I do think that it needs to be talked about more. Mm -hmm. Um, however, I do try to keep my audience in mind where, I mean, we do, it it is relevant to a lot of people here, but maybe not to everyone, but Mm -hmm. it's definitely something I'm super interested in. Um, I think also because not only my personal experience, but also like my back problems that I've had for years, I, you know, are probably associated with that in some way. And, um, So I've actually thought about my next kind of journey. Um, Most people know I've been working with an online company um, called Active Life for my back. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm honestly thinking about maybe going that route to see if, because I kind of feel like where I'm at now, I've like plateaued to a point to where maybe there's like an extra layer or like a different angle to like come at it. Does that make sense? 100%. It kind of... I'm going to tie back into what we were okay, talking Okay, cool. About. Tie, go, go back to, uh, okay, where we were talking about um, training, block training, like that sort of stuff. Well, and even even before we even started the podcast, how oh, yeah. we okay. make stuff more complicated. We tend, this is a axiom that I try to um, follow. Humans like to make simple stuff as complicated as possible to sound smart. And we, st- we like to make stuff that's really complicated seem really simple to sm- sound smart. Does that make sense? Um, yes, I, but I tend to think that people generally avoid the complex at all costs. Well, until you get like, you like talking about comp- cut CrossFit, don't you? Yes. So you get into the minutia of CrossFit. Mm-hmm. I like talking about training and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I dive into the minutia of it. Yeah. We all like talking about our lives because there are lives and we dig into the minutia of that. Yeah. Stuff. That makes sense. But I agree with you. I a hundred percent agree with you. So, but like you, what you said was attacking it from a different angle. Mm-hmm. And, um, we were talking about how even like the seminar I gave, I looking back six months ago, it was too complicated. Um, mm-hmm. there were some good aspects of it and there was stuff that I really should have, um, simplified mm-hmm. because, people don't have my experience Mm -hmm. and I need to come at it from the angle. Like we've talked about earlier of like, 
the, you know, think of it from the angle of you're teaching your kid, right? Yeah. Because that's kind of the level we're at whenever we're learning something new. Mm-hmm. Um, well, people so, don't have, I mean, for the most part, people don't have a good understanding of their bodies and why and how they work. And so when they are having some kind of issue or pain, it's, it's not very comprehensible. It's not very understandable mm-hmm. to people who have no idea, you know, about that sort of stuff. And so like, I think it's, can be pretty frustrating, you know? Yeah. And it's really frustrating when stuff starts to go astray on you Mm -hmm. and, uh, you don't really, and you maybe get not so good advice or you get advice that kind of makes you scared because frankly, that's what happens to a lot of people. Uh, like the, let's just go to deadlifts being bad for your back has been (laughs) a narrative for the longest time. Yeah. And it's probably a blog article about that. Yeah. I saw that. It was good. Um, But it's probably one of the best things a a person can do to train and strengthen their back when done appropriately. Right. Yeah. And that doesn't even mean you have to be perfect at it. You're really not, you don't need to be perfect at it. You need to start at a place that's just like, yeah, just like educating someone. You need to start at a place that, um, you know, is appropriate for where you are Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then you build up and that's, I constantly use the, the idea that the medical system has made people think they're cars that you just need something. You need a new part. Mm -hmm. You need, you need this thing. And we're more like a plant. We need, we need love and nurturing Mm -hmm. need time and the right environment to grow. Everything's connected. So it is kind of hard to kind of pull one thing out and just replace it with a different thing without affecting all the other things. So, um, okay. So mostly you've been doing your online coaching then. So you're, mm-hmm. you're taking your like physical therapy brain and you're applying it to getting people stronger. Is that like basically boiling it down to like yes. what you're doing? I mean, do you have TikTok? do you have TikTok really quick? I don't have TikTok. I can't <sighs> do that. Dude. I, my Instagram is my main source of content creation. Yeah. So, um, I'm not like saying you should get TikTok. <laughs> Yeah, but it, it just feeds into our attention deficit problem. <laughs> that's the thing. That's what yes, I'm I just, I just, I'm into it. I'm into the whole yeah. thing. So yeah. like my references come from there and a lot of stuff that we talk about, like that people talk about and stuff will like remind me of it. You know, it's like a, it's like yeah. song lyrics or something. It's like people will say something reminds you of like a song lyric or like whatever, but anyway, go on. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't well, mean to interrupt. You're, you're cluing into the, the biggest thing when it comes to learning, um, our attention spans are six or seven seconds. Mm-hmm. And so the, uh, it's, it's what's, what that's indicating is that what we're doing for information is we are scrolling a feed that is either going to give us a hit of what we want or inform mm-hmm. us something. And then we're like, all right, I got that little piece of information. Let's mm-hmm. go on to the next thing. And TikTok really capitalizes on that. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram was Instagram in my mind is bad. Um, I, that's how I market and that's how I, yeah my free information and stuff yeah. like that. But well, my um, joke with TikTok was um, there was a trend going around for a while where it was like, describe your job badly mm-hmm. or like describe what you do for a living badly. Mm-hmm. And so I just, the look on your face when I like boiled it down, what you do to a sentence was just not very approving. You know, I felt the like disapproval of like, you did not like that description. And then it just reminded me of that. And so my, my like funny way to like, so this is like some of the stuff people would say, so I'm a coach at a gym, right? So my like describe my job badly would be like, I watch adults sweat, you know, just like, (laughs) 
So just like, anyway, I didn't mean to boil it down to be like, describe your job badly. So, well, sorry. let's go. <laughs> let's go. The name of my business is uh, strength and kindness. And uh, why it is that is because typically our medical system makes people afraid to move and, and kind of, for lack of a better way of saying it weaker, because you're put in this box. And then frankly, it's, it's become more and more sterile. And then this is not an overarching generalization, but it's become more and more sterile and we've lost like the human component of it. Um, and really well, what coaching- the medical field is aimed towards the masses. Yeah. It's aimed towards what fixes most people. Like it's aimed towards uh, problem. Um, this thing is going to fix 80% of the people I'm just throwing out numbers, 10% are going to maybe like benefit from it. And then 10% are not going to be able to benefit from this. And so those 10%, like, unfortunately they're just like SOL. So I feel like most of the medical stuff is very like, you know, it's almost like the public education system, right? You direct most of your stuff to where you can help the most people and anybody on the fringes or anybody with the, even a remotely, like little bit harder, I don't know, like learning disability or somebody who's very smart or something like that, then definitely just doesn't really get like helped quote unquote, like in the public school system. And that's definitely what like the medical field in general, like is for the most part. It's, I think what you conveyed there in both your analogy, it's, it all boils down to time. What I'm doing allows me to interact with people in enough for enough time to truly understand what their issues and their problems are. Yeah. And then instead of it, them coming and seeing me for a 30 minute thing where, you know, you really only, you only learn so much in a 30 minute appointment or if a a five minute appointment. Um, Right. And what I'm doing is it really allows me to learn a ton about the person I'm trying to help um, convey the information over time to them. Well, you, that it- you build a relationship with that person yeah. Yeah. and you build yeah. trust yeah. and you really like, yeah, I mean, you really learn them. I mean, it, it's exactly what we're doing here. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it's part of the reason why we do 12 month commitments for our gym memberships. It's like, mm-hmm. we want to, help you over time and actually know you, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, the that's, there's some big things in here that I've had to change my mindset around. And one of them is, um, the, the, the commitment notion, and you look at all the, the cheap and easy things out there and mm-hmm. they don't work primarily because people really aren't committed. Yeah. Um, and money is an exchange exchange of energy and trust. People are paying you because they want, they, they frankly, and this is a woo way, what say way of saying it, but they, they need the energy that you put into them when you coach them. Mm-hmm. They need the energy that you bring to your 5am class when they're dragging ass. Yeah. Like they don't want to be there, but they know you're there. Right. Yeah. Um, and then they also need to make a freaking commitment to themselves because mm-hmm. At the end of the day, if you don't have your health, the rest of your life is going to go to shit. Mm-hmm. And that's the reality. And we have, and in our shortened attention span life, 
Mm-hmm. We we push everything in front of our taking care of ourselves because we don't want to be quote unquote selfish. When mm-hmm. what you're actually doing is you're just kicking the can down the road till people have to take care of you because you haven't done a good job enough job to take care of yourself. And that's yeah. tough, enough, but that's and true. it's it's the unfortunate part of being a human. Um, it's very difficult to think long term. It's very difficult to be 30 years old and think that your actions and the way you live are going to affect you 30 years from now. It's very difficult. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, my brother, uh, he came out of the womb 70 years old. Who's your brother again? John Haggerty. (laughs) He came out of the womb with a beard and an um, old man. (laughs) Like he's a very kind person, but there's a, there's a lot of layers that could probably get peeled back. Anyway, uh, I came out of the wound. I, I, I remember being six or seven years old and worrying about how I was going to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know where the hell that came from. And I've always, I was a history and political science major. I studied a lot of philosophy before I went to physical therapy school. Yeah. And, um, you know, I have always had this fascination with how people live long and, and good lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you going back, uh, what did you say? I said something a little bit. Oh, I said, uh, so we, me and some friends were talking and uh, what was it? So they, my, my buddy asked, what does a typical person even um, retain from day to day? And I was jokingly said, um, I asked, what does any brain retain? Only what gets it laid and what gets it paid. Those are the <laughs> things that we typically think about. Yeah. um, Instant gratification. (laughs) It's the quick gratification. And you really have to learn to do stuff that's hard. And that's why, you know, like, where does your quote come from? It comes from Mark Ribito saying people who are harder, people who are strong are harder to to kill. Mm -hmm. Um, And doing stuff that makes you strong is by nature challenging. Mm -hmm. And that's both physically and mentally. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've made the argument lots of times that you actually get more mental toughness out of training than you do, than, than you do the physical, because in order to do the physical, the mental has to be there. You won't do it. Yeah. Well, in, in what I'm currently doing, you know, CrossFit is CrossFit is a lot of different things and it's very good for most people's general health. And, and as a sport, you know, you train for CrossFit. If it comes to like powerlifting or weightlifting um, or barbell oriented stuff, like you want your, you want to deadlift more weight. The stronger your peak, the bigger your peak is within reason, like gaining me going to 300 pounds to deadlift 600 pounds isn't necessarily a good health decision, right? But the yeah, bigger- so like usually people at the top of a sport, like world's strongest man, or people going for world records in the deadlift or people doing that sort of stuff, or like high level bodybuilders or even high level CrossFitters, like they're not doing it for health or doing it for the sport. Mm-hmm. And that's a different thing. Um, that is separate than from what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. And so, but there is, there is a balance to be struck and it typically depends on your time frame. Yeah. People's people's time frame. I remember when I first started doing CrossFit, uh, I was like, I'm gonna do CrossFit for six weeks and I'm gonna get jacked. <laughs> here I am 14 years later. <laughs> You're still not jacked. Subpar, you know, like <laughs> but uh but 
what I what you realize along that route road is like this shit's so good for me. I, I'm gonna do it even if I'm not making the the weight on the bar progress. Mm-hmm. And the other big thing about like for me, I didn't think I was strong for like eight years. I'm like I'm just not strong. I'm good at running, and it's like well, if you don't think you're good at something, you think you're gonna get better at it. And that's kind of like a mindset piece that a lot of people handcuff themselves before they even give themselves a chance. And yeah, coaching, uh, one of my favorite analogies for what coaching really is, is imparting my confidence in you until you gain your own confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think about any sport you ever played, the coaches that were good, they just gave you a little bit of the confidence that you were missing. Mm-hmm. The coaches that sucked, they, they like, I, I, I tell the story. I was like, I was five of nine and 150 pounds. And I was like playing, I was slow, but I was playing slot receiver and I could catch anything. And the first play of like my senior season, I'm running down the middle of the field, wide open ball comes to me. I drop it. Confidence drops. Couldn't catch mm-hmm. a ball for like two weeks. Yeah. And So what do you think like that does to your inner dialogue? Mm -hmm. And the more you fight against that, the more you like one of the biggest things I hate is the the narrative that life sucks as you get older or that just because you're getting older, you're going to be in pain. Yes, Mm -hmm. there are physiological things that happen there, but the Dalai Lama is like 80 years old and he's smiling every freaking day. And it's (laughs) he's just thinking about happiness and love and yeah okay life is so you know it is hard to accept but like the things you do and the thoughts you have really Mm -hmm. dictate life yeah I mean that's the that's the cool and rewarding thing about being a coach is seeing the trust and the confidence build in Mm -hmm. your clients you know Mm -hmm. um and just thinking like when you are coaching like having that thought in mind of like, I want this person to realize that they're better than they think they are, or they're more capable than what they think they are. But you don't do that overnight. You only do that with consistency, with Mm -hmm. relationship, with trust, with the fact of being right. A lot of times, like I don't always get it right, but, um, I sometimes joke with some of our members when they're like, I tell them to do something and then it ends up working out. You know what I mean? And then they're like, Oh, like, awesome. I'm going to like that. That was a good, like success for me. Like, I didn't know I could do that. And then the next time when you tell them, yeah, I actually think you should do this. They're more apt to like, listen to that. Mm-hmm. And then that's where like, you know, the magical part of all of it is to where you're, um, people see, seeing that confidence build. And, and what I think is sad, like the difference between like kids and adults is like, kids are used to that you know, people are always building up the confidence of kids. I mean, just think about how, like, well, I mean, I guess you don't, you don't have kids yet. Do you, or I don't want to say yet, but, um, okay. I mean, we're just, yeah, we don't have time. Yeah, we will. Okay. So, uh, well, I was just, okay. So from my perspective, you know, your, your kid draws you a picture or shows you some kind of trick that they've learned. I mean, you don't, you don't tell them that that, you don't go, that's, 
freaking terrible. You suck. Like, like, no. what is it? What even is this thing? Yeah. You know, you say, oh, yeah. awesome. Like nice effort. And then they do it again and then they do yeah. it again. And they start getting like, you know, better about that sort of stuff. And it's just like, adults don't really get that in their daily lives very often. Um, most of the time when you're like working a job or like doing anything, there's no, there's just expectations that you're going to do what you're supposed to. And you only really get feedback when you're not doing what you're supposed to. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, working with adults and like being a coach with adults, I think that it's important to, um, bring that aspect mm -hmm. to their experience, you know, cause I really think that that's, I mean, first of all, it, it helps if you, you know, care about people and you really just want them to yeah. feel good. Right. And that that's like your goal in the end, either get them out of pain, get them stronger and all those things, get them to feel better. And that's like the goal, like overall. hundred percent. And I, I think you touched on, I think you touched on a lot of good stuff there. I mean, being a coach doesn't mean, you know, it all me being a PT doesn't mean I know it all. Mm -hmm. um, what I do accept is that life is an, life is a science experiment and mm -hmm. you have to test retest on a regular basis. Yeah, for sure. And you can't be afraid to test retest. Um, yeah. And adapt and maybe try something different. Right. Yeah. yeah. What typically sells people is confidence and certainty when there is no certainty in life, like yeah. there, there's nothing's for freaking certain. Like yeah. I want to squat 500 plus pounds, you know, and I want to deadlift 600 pounds. Am I, do I know I can get there? I know I can, but I also like, it may not happen. You know, I may, I may screw my knee up at jujitsu again, because I'm trying to wrestle a dude that's been wrestling for 15 years, you know? And like, and yeah, so I mean, also, I think it's important to point out that even if you do everything right, like injuries still happen because the yeah. human body is perfectly imperfect. Right. I mean, there's just, there is no way, there is no way to prevent injuries. I, there's no way to prevent energy, uh, injuries, but there, you can be really intelligent about what you're doing. And the hard part about that is we are all dumb as shit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, 100%, like definitely if you're working outside your capacity, you're, your yeah. injury is going to be more likely for sure. Yeah. I mean, but you can still be doing everything right. And, and still, you know, have something go wrong. <laughs> yeah. And this is why stuff like, and I don't want to get it too into the weeds. Cause I have a tendency to do this, but this is why stuff like understanding stress better and understanding like that, you know, like steel, if you're thinking about a steel cable, steel cable breaks when the tension exceeds the capacity of the cable, yeah. right? Your muscles and your tendons and your ligaments, they do that. That's the same principle. Mm -hmm. um, but then you as a system, going back to like the plant analogy versus the car analogy, there's also a, a you, if you think about um, like, you know, when you are tired and lethargic and like you're lacking energy, you're more likely to get hurt. Like, you know, when mm -hmm. you, when you've like, if your brain's tired, yeah, there's, there's certain, there's, there's a, it's a complex system. And mm -hmm. so you need to, and we talked, we touched on this earlier, really, truly understanding and quote unquote, listening to your body is really tricky. And it takes pretty much your whole life to un really understand it. Like how I got hurt at jujitsu is this dude's been wrestling for 15 years and I'm trying to like out wrestle him. And I did something that was frankly going to happen probably eventually, but I learned, I learned what I should not do, which is yeah. to, to try not to like, I probably should have just been very defensive. Right. Um, yeah. And a lot of us, like when it comes to like lifting, we can get into our egos. 
I remember the first time I went to the YMCA of Muscatine and I'm like, I'm going to do, I'm, it was like a, it was like a CrossFit. It was like a five, 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 five deadlift. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I, you know, I saw some guy that was smaller than me, like doing like more weight than me. So I just threw more weight on the bar mm-hmm. and my deadlift looked like I was a pooping dog. And <laughs> I fortunately have a pretty strong and durable low back and yeah. I just get hurt. And I was also 19 years old. Right. Um, it, and what would have been the better thing for me was to be like, hey, Dave, let's put a weight on the bar that you can learn to move well with first. That still gives you a good training response that then you can progress. Because what happened is I handcuffed myself for like two years mm-hmm. because I was trying to do it. I was trying to fit a, a square peg into a round hole. Yeah, then- I mean... When it comes to stuff like that, you just, you can't give a fuck what other people are doing. Yeah. It's just 100%. totally irrelevant to you. 100%. Totally irrelevant to you. And, um, I talk about that a lot here. Um, you know, cause CrossFit is naturally competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times people do want to be competitive and they work outside their capacity in order to be competitive. Um, mm-hmm. So our narrative here a lot is to, especially, I think that helps with the training blocks too, because it does, it does give people a little bit of freedom to kind of experiment because we test and retest. Mm -hmm. So it it gives you the opportunity to try something different Mm -hmm. and, um, it's acceptable. Right. So like, and, and we talk a lot about like, let's train. Okay. Let's not try to die every day. Let's train so we can learn something about ourselves. Like, what did we learn from this exercise? Like, okay, I learned that I cannot do, um, six burpees maintaining on the minute, every minute for eight minutes. Like that's not currently within my capacity. You know, like, what did you learn? Or I learned that I can do bigger sets of pull-ups and still finish this workout. Like, learn stuff like that, that not only gives you like the motivation and it kind of like adds the fun to it, right? Like the strategy part of CrossFit is what makes certain types of people want to do it. You know, people who enjoy that sort of thing and enjoy like testing and retesting and doing different techniques and trying different things. Like that's the kind of people that are drawn into it. Right. And so we're just trying to keep people like train for yourself, compare yourself to yourself because Mm -hmm. what other people are doing is totally irrelevant to you. Um, I think just a couple of weeks ago, I was trying to point out too, like people are not like in a vacuum, right? So you come to the gym on a random, you know, Thursday or whatever, and you're not really having the best day, but Mm -hmm. maybe the person next to you is having their best day of their life. Yeah. Maybe they're feeling amazing. They were on top of their sleep. They're on top of their nutrition. They're on the top of the world and they're performing at their peak performance. Yeah. Like you can't then compare yourself to, to that person like that day. It's just like, so, um, it's just so counterproductive and it's just like really meaningless in the end. Like you come here to train to better yourself. And it's really not like, it's just really not a good idea to be comparing yourself to other people like that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, even though it's human nature and like, obviously it's easier said than done, but I think that, I think people are capable of, reminding themselves, you know what I mean? They're capable of being like, like when those feelings crop up, you train yourself how to deal with that. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. that's that like and, mental side. 
we talked, I mean, we, you know, people don't know what the hell I mean by talking about training a lot. It becomes this analogy, but you are literally training yourself every moment of every day. You are learning, your brain is chaining. And the most powerful tool we have as human beings is the ability to repetitively do stuff. If you mm-hmm. want to, I mean, if you want to do anything, you have to get a ton of reps at it and you shouldn't expect to be amazing in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, everything is like this. Um, yeah. and any new skill, new job, cooking, like yep. driving. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing is, is like, you're a completely, you're not a completely different organism. You're still the same thing, but from day to day, the, the ideal, um, and this works people, everybody knows kind of the newbie gains period, right? You're, you start, you haven't really been doing anything. And mm-hmm. then that first, there's a period there where it's like, bam, progress, progress, yeah. progress. And that's because you're a different organism very quickly from that first day to, you know, I just had a lady who's 67 and just deadlift 135 pounds in the, in my garage. Nice. And we started at like, you know, we started at 40 and, yeah. and, you know, and she doesn't train with me. It could have happened faster, but it doesn't really need to. And the other thing that's hard is like, if you try to push too fast, the wheels fall off. Mm -hmm. And so the two big things that are always running through my mind, and that's what ultimately has had me help me make the most progress in the probably the past really year, um, Mm -hmm. is the only person that I'm, I should be comparing myself to is my former, my me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and am I better than that guy? And mm-hmm. that's all that really matters because Michael Jordan didn't care about what anybody else was doing. He was just trying to be the best Michael Jordan he could be. Anybody mm-hmm. that's a super high level performer, they are not thinking about their quote unquote competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that's really helped me is like what you're trying to do when you're training is you take what is there on that given day. You maximize the performance that you can on that given day to how you're feeling. And this is why, like, I think you guys are implementing RPE, which is great. It's an auto regular, you know, auto regulation. It's basically, Hey, if you slept like crap and your job's been really stressful and your kids have been busy as hell, like, Hey, it's okay to like dial it down a little bit, do your best today. And then you're probably going, you know, everything is an ebb and flow. They're probably going, you're not, you don't want to dig your training debt deeper. You want, yeah to come back out of it. And what you, you, you know, everybody knows you get muscle outside of the gym, you train in the gym and then you recover. And then that allows the ad- adaptation to occur. Right. As long as so, you're getting your protein. Yeah. We preach about yeah. protein a lot. So anybody yeah. listening to the pod is going to be like, roll their eyes. Like, Oh my gosh, I'm getting my protein. <laughs> I, I eat 250 grams of protein. Like it's my job. Damn and, son. That's a lot. Yeah. There's all, all the evidence that that is worthwhile points to 0.75 grams to one gram, 1.25 grams per pound of body weight. So, yeah. So actually we're doing a holiday challenge right now. Mm-hmm. It's a six week, uh, based on like points. We have different habits that people are focusing on. Uh, one of them is protein. And, mm-hmm. uh, so you, we have a protein goal. Um, you know what protein it's, means it's loosely. What? No. What do you mean? foundation protos is mean. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So foundation um, of your diet. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and of course in this gym, in the CrossFit space, when you're trying to support your, um, physical aspects, nutritionally, 
the protein is the, the most important one. Like we start there and then we build everything else like around that. So mm-hmm. we give everybody uh, a protein goal loosely based on their current body weight. Everybody's mm-hmm. a little bit different with like what their goals are, but, um, just getting people to focus on being consistent with getting protein is like the first, yeah. like the first it's step. A huge, <laughs> a huge barrier. It's really hard. I've coached yeah. people through it because they frankly, well, it's a habitual thing. It's a, it's a like, when you are only getting like 40 grams a day, it's hard to get to X amount. That's, you know, probably 75 more. And that's why you just have to dose it up, you know, slowly. Um, right. It, it is very hard on your system to go from like, yeah, 40, 50 grams to like doubling or tripling that like overnight, you're obviously going to ramp that up slow. Um, yeah, I think when people people are usually shocked at how little protein they're actually getting when yeah. you, when you ask them to start tracking it, a lot of people will say like, Oh, well I drink milk and I eat eggs and I eat chicken and you're like, okay, that's cool. But, um, it's not enough. Yeah. And I know it's not enough because I've been tracking my protein for a really long time. And yeah. I've been eating normally between like when I'm focusing on it, if I, if I really want to get protein, um, I'm doing like 140 to like 150 grams. That is not easy to do. You have to purposely do it. You, if you just eat your normal food, you will not get there. You will not get there. Yep. Yep. You have to, I mean, I told this to uh, this story to one of my clients today, and I think it's a good analogy. Uh, I was snowboarding when I was 12 years old and I was just going down the hill stiff need. And I'm like, man, I'm not having a good time. And I won't go over (laughs) this jump. And I just fell and it hurt. And I'm like, Oh, maybe I have to be like active and I have to like try and like bend my knees and move. And ever since that day, I'm like, life is an active process. Mm -hmm. You have to, if you want something, you have to work for it. It has to Mm -hmm. be effortful. And, um, I haven't always been good about that, but like your diet, that's a change. That's something that you have to, well, and the first thing too, and you guys talk about this. I, I, I know I've seen some of your stuff is you dictate your environment your environment dictates your habits and then your habits dictate your life. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have enough protein in the house, that's where you got to start. Right. Yeah. So it's tricky, but, and it's, it's just a big change for a lot of people. So yeah. Peyton's like our main coach on that. Um, sometimes I feel like she's a broken record and I know that that can be frustrating for like a coach sometimes. Yeah. But you literally have to talk about this stuff all the time to like, keep it fresh in the minds of your members and your clients. And when you know that that's like, that's part of the secret to success, Mm -hmm. there's just no other way around it. Um, I just, sometimes I think it is unfortunate and unfair. The fact that it is so hard and takes so long to get, to really get what you want, you know, (laughs) or is that just life? I mean, it is obviously, (laughs) this is what I have learned. Um, and we, it, it, it goes into what we were talking about earlier. Um, your marketing message should bore the hell out of you. Good coaching should bore the hell out of you. (laughs) Like, because it's the same stuff. Uh It's Hey, like your, your squat, like you let's slow the tempo down and like control where your knees are like, and that's overcomplicating it too. Let's slow the tempo down. So you stay Mm -hmm. in position, you know? I mean, John Wooden and Vince Lombardi, Vince Lombardi, the first day of practice to professional football players said, gentlemen, this is a football. 
John Wooden, the greatest basketball coach of all time, taught his players how to put their socks on. Mm-hmm. The principles and the fundamentals are not sexy, mm-hmm. but you need to repetitively drill them into people because repetition is the most powerful tool we have as humans. Yeah. And uh, that's not, we liked as coaches, we want to learn the, the new techniques and most of that shit's bullshit. I've been through so much continuing ed. That's just some, all diets are just like, here's the foundation. Let me spin it my way and sell you this book. Yeah. Um, all most training programs are, here's the foundation. Let me spin you this way and tell you my system. Right. And when, what I really care about and what I really realize, and I think what you guys do well too, is, um, CrossFit is just the vehicle for health for people. It's something that, and you've created, frankly, an environment that people want to come to. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. Um, and cause you have to want to do it and until you want to do it. <clears throat> and then, and a lot of people take that leap and they, they, and they find but, out they don't want to, or, or what, what's unfortunate is the environment they go to take that leap isn't welcoming. It's not kind. It's not, it doesn't cheer them on. It's some tool over in a mirror, like looking at their butt. If it's a woman, <laughs> like it's that what? type of stuff. Are we literally We're all looking at our abs, dude? Yeah, We're we all are, looking I mean, at our abs. But I mean, <laughs> you would be amazed at the amount of just like still creepy dudes out there, like hitting on women in the gym, right? And, Bro, I am not amazed by creepy dudes yeah. at all. I, yeah. it's, I let's just not let's just not even get into that. So, but I mean, the environment has to be like psychology is so important. But it's that class that, you know, you get a BS degree with and then it's like, okay, like what the hell did that give me? Well, you have to understand people's and this is where this is where medicine goes awry. Mm -hmm. Like for me to to develop a trusting relationship with somebody, I need to just sit there and listen to them for 45 Mm -hmm. and let them tell me their problems. Mm -hmm. And and I have tons of experience helping people manage their problems and come mm-hmm. back down to earth most of the time it's just simply people haven't been listened to and they, ha- mm-hmm. they don't if, you know it's my my angelo like what do people want they like they want to be seen heard and understood yeah and, um that's everything so yeah i mean i agree with that it's it's partly the relationship i have with my active life coach and i told my husband that i'm like i basically pay him to listen to to listen to me talk about my back because nobody else wants to talk to me about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's the hard part about injuries too. They're, they're very personal. And this is the hard part about like what I was conveying back in when I did the seminar and I, you still get people, it's like, well, you're saying it's in my brain. No, it's not in your brain, but pain is physical. Meaning there is, there's tissue injury typically. And then it is cognitive, meaning like, man, this You're aware. Sucks. Yeah. God, this sucks. I've, I'm freaking in pain and I want to do these things. And then there's an underlying emotional aspect of it, which is quote unquote self subconscious, which a lot of people don't understand. And we don't fully understand it, but when your back is hurting and when you're afraid that maybe it's going to hurt forever, your body is in a different state. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the emotional component of it. Right. So you have to tackle it all from all sides, like we talked about earlier, from all angles. Yeah. And 
you know, um, this is why talk therapy is super important for a lot of people. And yeah. also having being asked hard questions is really good. Part of being a coach is for me to call people out on their bullshit. Mm-hmm. And this is why I have coaches because mm-hmm. I'm a bullshit artist myself. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> yeah. if, if we are never challenged, like, how do you grow Shannon? How do we grow? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're asking. It's not a rhetorical question. No. Okay. Yeah. Um, by trying things and failing and then trying different things and succeeding and then trying things and failing and then trying things and succeeding and just like going up and down and back and forth until you die. Pretty much. And and that sucks. It's challenging. And it's like, Oh, does it, does it ever get easier? No, it doesn't. Yeah, It doesn't. And that's okay. Like I was talking to somebody about that the other day, how, um, you get to a point, you know, you you kind of like get a little bit older and then you realize you're still like struggling to do things. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like disheartening a little bit because Mm -hmm. it's that point. And it's kind of comes around like that middle age, you know, it kind of comes around like 40, um, when you have a lot of life experience and you've had a lot of success, but also a lot of, um, failures, you know, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm you're like, you're smarter in some aspects, Mm -hmm. but there's still like 20 years from now, you know, like you're just still in that constant, like state of always messing up and having to learn from that and move on. And it just, it just, sometimes it's a little bit annoying when you realize that, um, that that's just how it is. Cause when you're young, you think like, Oh, when I'm 40, I'm going to have it figured out. Like, Nope. You're not though. <laughs> a different level. It's a different level. It's a different game and it's a different level. Yeah. It's just I, a different I, thing. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you, you have new challenges. Like people, I, I talked to one of my, one of my clients a few days ago, well, it's a few weeks ago now. And she's like, you know, I, everything was pretty easy. And then, you know, I got out of college and I started working and then life just got hard. I'm like, well, you added the responsibilities of a job. You added the mm-hmm. responsibilities of kids. And then like, frankly, you probably just went with the flow, which is what is what life can do to you. You have to actively turn against the flow and say, yeah. and this is the whole part is like, there are some things you should go with the flow with. And there are some things you should don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I, and I also think like, you know, we always make these false dichotomies, like it's either or, or it's good and bad. And there is no like helping people like, you should get paid for helping people. I should get paid for helping people. Like it's, it's stupid to try to be a martyr to like helping people, helping people solve their problems. So Um, I find that if you don't have some sort of monetary exchange, then you actually don't end up helping people. hundred percent. And they really need the investment. They really need the investment. Um, people don't value things that they don't, Yep. invest their money and time into like, you're just not going to care about it. And I'm not going to knock on like surgeries. Surgeries are a high ticket item that people, if, a, if orthopedic surgery says, our surgeon says, Oh, you need a surgery. People are like, Ooh, that's a high ticket. And Medicare will pay for that or a lot of it. You know, they don't really know all the hidden costs and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, you haven't given conservative treatment a try because, and you can't go back from, surgeries, surgery is a fork in the road. You can't go back from it. Right. Yeah. And, um, but 
the amount of times I've seen people who like, I've seen people who didn't have a knee surgery. And then I've had people on the same time of trait, like treatment, of course, like same diagnosis, one person neglected to not have it. And the other person had like a total knee year later, as long as the person who didn't have it was actively trying to improve, probably had a better outcome than the person who got the knee surgery. And that's maddening to me. Well, um, it's because people think the knee surgery is their fix. Yeah. And they don't really understand that. Like, man, it's like everything in life, it's all connected. So the more that you like work on your tissues and shore up your knee and the more effort that you put into it, the more successful that surgery is going to be. Whereas yep. a lot of people, um, can kind of treat surgery and I, I don't want to like discount people who have had surgery or, yeah, or even, that. or even throw people under the bus who, who have done this, because I completely understand that it is a very difficult decision to make. Um, yeah. when, when you feel like you don't have any other options. So yeah. my point that I was going to say was, um, I think you can liken a surgery like that to like a crash diet or something, you know, yeah. or a pill, you know, yeah. you just think like, this is going to be my fix. And then everything's going to be awesome after that. And it's just yeah. like, but it's not really, if you don't do all the part, if you don't do all the things, if you don't do the rehab associated with it and you don't do that, but that's the hard stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, and your knee exists in the environment of your body, right? It's, it's like, you are this environment and your knee is in there in you. And mm -hmm. all of these, it's a complicated system. Yeah. And if you don't change the, the whole overarching environment. Like that's the, that's the issue. And I don't want to discredit people. It's a hard decision. And frankly, yeah. like me knowing what I know makes it look like I can look back and be like, man, that was just not the right call, but that yeah. person doesn't know. You can't yeah. connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking back. Right. And that's the hard part about all of this stuff. And until, and what unfortunately happens to a lot of people, they get burned by decisions that didn't work out and they didn't have the opportunity to learn from them. And because life does move really fast. And I mean, it's either that, or once you've had a bad experience, then it's really hard to want to like try that experience again. Um, we actually just talked about it the other day with like CrossFit. Like, um, of course we're convinced if you want to be fit that CrossFit's like pretty much the best methodology out there. You know, that's why we sell it. That's why we do it ourselves. Um, however, not all CrossFit gyms and even even within your CrossFit gym, not every class, not every coach, not every workout, it's not all created equal. And mm -hmm. so if you bring somebody in to that and they have a bad experience, getting them to try it again, even if it's been years yeah, is very difficult. And then think about the conversations you've had with people or think about, you know, your own experiences that you've had and think about having a conversation with someone and being like, yeah, I tried CrossFit. Like five or six years ago. And I had this really bad experience. So CrossFit's just not for me. And that's the conversation that they're having with someone, a friend of theirs who's doing CrossFit and has a really good experience and then is trying to get them to do it. And they're like, Oh no, no, no. I've already tried it. And it's not for me. Yeah. And it's just like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, and that's why you ultimately have to ask them questions, listen to them. Cause you can't just convey like, Oh no, 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 no this is different because they're not going to listen. Right. right. 
yeah. you have to be like, so what let's talk about. It. And that's really hard. I was just having a conversation with this guy who he had a knee surgery at 14 years old for like something that <laughs> they did an experimental knee surgery on a dude that was 14 years old and oh, man. Like, for, for, for patellar tracking. And he's 28 now. Yeah. So you have all these stories that are in his head and I, I'm looking at, and I'm not saying this to him directly, but I'm like, man, that was, and at 14, his parents probably, and this is the hard part about everything. We don't know the future and yeah. you have to make the best decision you can with the available information. I'm that sure that that's what they felt like they were doing because, you know, they're taking the advice of experts because obviously yeah. like they don't know. Yeah. And this is the other thing too. And I, I think you would attest to this too. I don't do, I don't give my patients or my clients, I don't have them do anything that I wouldn't do myself. Mm -hmm. Like I just don't. And because ultimately like if I'm not willing to do something, I can't prescribe it and I can't make that recommendation. And that's so much of life comes down to doing what you say you will do. And frankly, like, and this is like, you know, I, I, you know, I still do barbell sports and like, I still lift and I train and I'm smart. So like, but even me kind of coaching CrossFit, like, I don't really care about gymnastics movements right now. Like, mm-hmm. could I get better at them? Yeah. E- eventually will I go back and do like more CrossFit esque stuff? Yeah. But mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to be a good muscle up coacher right now. <laughs> I'm not doing muscle ups. Like I can um, talk about physics and stuff and I can still coach it. Well, that's, that's a good thing to get into too. Yeah. I mean, you don't need to be able to do the thing to be able to coach it. Um, I do like think about all kinds of the best coaches that you can come up with and they were not necessarily the best athletes or the most proficient, you know, um, but just having a really good understanding of getting other people to do the things. That's true too. So you don't have to necessarily be good at the things. I think what helps with CrossFit being a coach is, um, I think it does help to at least be doing the workouts because I think sometimes, um, without that experience, it is hard to judge how something might feel as far as like mechanics and things go. I think that you definitely can teach people to do things that you can't do just based on being able to tell them how to do it. And getting someone else to do it. I would generally grant that, but I think you probably should have been able to do it at one point in time. And that's the truth. Because because you mentioned something there that's super important. And it kind of goes back to doing what you say you do. You have to know how it feels. Yeah, I agree. The body thinks and feels. Yeah. That sounds weird, but that's, it's just. Um, Yes, I do agree with that. I think that it makes it a lot easier and I think it makes people trust you more if, if you at least have or had the capability of doing the movement, I think it lends to your credibility. Um, I think it's definitely helpful. Yes. 100%. Um, I just think about, I I I just think about like my daughter. Yeah. So I just think about like my daughter's basketball coach. He's like, an older man, mm-hmm. he can't play basketball. But did, could he play it at one point in time? But when he was younger, he was like totally played basketball. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like yeah. you just you trust his deep. Un- well, and the fact that he's been doing it for so long, he has a very deep understanding of the game and how to coach yeah. 
you know, teenagers, like you get very good at that, you know, sort of like aspect to it that the kids, it doesn't matter anymore. If you can't run up and down the court and you can't shoot and you can't dribble, you know what I mean? They don't have to have seen you do it. Yeah. And I, I don't want to create that false dichotomy that you should only trust people. Cause there's some people who are really freaking good at stuff, terrible coaches. And, um, <laughs> right. I don't want to create that false dichotomy. I think you need to know what it feels like for mo- the most part. And if you don't know what it feels like, you better be damn good at explaining it really simply. And, um, and I think it's just hard sometimes because you can get people to do things or you can expect things out of people that aren't realistic because yeah. you haven't experienced it yourself. Um, I think it'll take you longer. I think you can still get there by just seeing enough people do things, um, that you can like figure that out, but it's definitely easier if you know what the workout's going to feel like when you are getting other people to try to get the same feeling. I think it's definitely easier. It kind of, I mean, it makes your job easier. It gives you a little bit of a leg up if you're willing to, if you can take your own experience and then use that to give them the experience. It's there's always, I I think, yeah. And like we could argue about, we're not arguing, but I get what you're saying. And I agree with you. I I have not run a marathon. I can, I'm good at coaching people on the overarching process of running a marathon, mostly because I know when they should dial it back and when they should push. Yeah. And, And I have ran, I've ran distance before and I've like trained for stuff like that but it's, there's a lot of things that you need to take in. And I think that's really what good coaching is kind of in like for sports and stuff, it's offloading the decision-making so that you can just go execute the thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and that's, that's a lot of trust too. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I agree. And I think like good, yeah, you don't always have to be, uh, like you don't have to be an amazing athlete to be a good coach mm-hmm. and just like it goes the other way. So, well, I mean, I coach people better than me every day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, and that's, yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And I think that it is also a limiter, like one of the best, uh, one of my coaches tells me, um, cause like sometimes I have some imposter syndrome because like there's people who are stronger than me that I'm trying to coach. And, um, He's like, there's a guy in uh, the state of Maryland or Pennsylvania, it was Pennsylvania. He had never wrestled. He was a teacher and he had never wrestled in his life. He, they were going to shut down the program and he went and he checked out every book on wrestling he could find. And he said he volunteered to be the coach. Mm-hmm. And eventually they became the dominant high school wrestling program in the state of Pennsylvania. And because he had passion and he wanted to help the kids. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's like stuff like that, like, mm-hmm. But there is, there's always going to be those doubts in your mind. Like, oh, you're not good enough. Like, you know, they don't trust, but passion and perseverance and like, and like trusting that you can figure stuff out is, is pretty powerful. So, yeah. I mean, you only get that from putting yourself out there and experiencing that over time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've always played it safe and you've never, I I think one thing I thought of earlier and I wanted to bring up was, um, risk-taking, um, Mm -hmm. And, and thinking about like injury, injury versus and, and risk-taking like in our training, um, and, and just in life in general, like risks are necessary. Yep. Okay. And when you take risks, bad things might happen to you. You might get injured, but you had to take the risk to know if you were going to be a success or not. And so, you know, I try to have this conversation with my daughter. She, 
um, I don't want to get like too personal, but just like, she doesn't ever want to take the risk because she doesn't want to do something wrong. Mm -hmm. But like in the sport of basketball, taking risks is, is very important. Okay. Because you cannot just always be a conservative player. Mm -hmm. You need to take risks. Okay. Mm -hmm. And basketball is a fast paced game. So your risk, if it doesn't pay off, it's over very fast. And you, Mm -hmm. the next thing is gone and, or the next movement, the next thing is happening and it doesn't matter, you know, Mm -hmm. but she's very much wrapped up up in like, well, I don't want to make mistakes. I don't want to make mistakes. It's like, well, you're not going to progress if you don't take risks and make mistakes. And so that's the unfortunate part with like what I was trying to, you know, tie back earlier with like injury, like it's hard to just think you're always going to stay injury free because you need that risk-taking factor in order to progress. And so we try to minimize as much as possible by being smart and, you know, building our progress over time. But in the end, like sometimes you just got to see what you're made of, you know, and it just doesn't always, it just doesn't always maybe go as planned. (laughs) I mean, you're a lot more likely to, um, regret a life lived on the couch than one where you've uh gotten out and got some bumps and bruises and that's yeah because i um i just want to say just i know a lot of people who don't do crossfit or don't do deadlifts you know because of the fear of injury and all that kind of stuff and then they'll if if i'm ever injured or i'm ever like oh man my back hurts you know, it's just more fuel for their fire on why they shouldn't do stuff like that. And there's like, well, why do you just want to be injured all the time? And I'm just like, well, first of all, I'm not injured all the time. I'm actually very strong and resilient. Um, but the fact that you don't do anything is also a risk factor. The fact that you aren't strong, the fact that you aren't fit, it's like people don't associate that with a risk factor. And, you know, just, think about like case in point where if you're not a strong person and you know, CrossFit also helps a lot of people with like balance. So think about a person who's, um, doesn't have good balance or good strength. You lose your footing, fall down and get hurt. Yeah. A strong person, a person with good, um, body awareness and good coordination and balance lose their footing. Don't fall down. Don't get hurt. Usually, you know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of like, so you're a person who wants to fall down and get hurt. Like, no, you're not. You know what I mean? You just have like a wrong, you just have like wrong thinking. Yeah. I mean, really why I'm going out on my own and doing my own business is because I think, uh, there's too much of, uh, there's too much risk aversion in traditional physical therapy. I mean, what I was typically having patients do in like a clinic, like other therapists were like giving me the stink eye because I was like making people do hard stuff and like making them on the ground and making them, pretty much like, you know, CrossFit strength training stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and risk aversion is putting you at risk. Maybe right. not right now, <laughs> but it is, it's down the yeah. road. And, um, and the two big, the, like the biggest killers are, uh, heart disease. They're like the biggest killers that we have are obesity rated related diseases. They're yeah. obesity and lack of frankly training related diseases yeah Um, so and there is a way to do it well i'm 33 i'm the most athletic i've ever been in my life i'm strongest i like i i'm not really like ready to go play like go run because i'm not really running right now um but i could dose myself up to be doing it well in six to eight weeks Mm -hmm. i could 
dose myself. Like I'm going to go back to jujitsu after this powerlifting meet that I have this weekend and mm-hmm. dose myself up to doing it well. Yeah. But the bigger you make your reserve and the bigger you make your comfort zone, um, the more you can step outside of it. And, uh, that's, that's a hard thing for people. People also just gravitate to the negative. I mean, we have five negative thoughts for every positive thought we have. Don't check statistics on that, but it's generally true. I'm looking it up. I'm going to yeah. Google it right now. Um, but so 80% of your thoughts are negative and people like to point out the negative. Yeah. And, um, because we're kind of assholes, like the whole, let's go Brandon thing. It's like, yeah, it's funny, <laughs> but it's also like, let's be civil. Like, let's be nice to each other. And like, yeah, I like to poke fun. And yeah. you know, it also like, that's hilarious to me. But at some point, like you're teaching your kid to tell the president of the United States to go F himself. Like, yeah. you know, let's, let's think about this. Yeah. And it goes back to what we said earlier. Uh, people's attention span is typically or what they retain is what gets them paid and what gets them mm-hmm. laid. Well, mm-hmm. your 80 year old self ain't going to be too happy when you don't, uh, you know, and I see it, I see it every day in like my mm-hmm. other jobs because I go to hospitals yeah. and I go to people's homes. So you're not just, you're, so you're still doing some traditional physical therapy as like a supplement income. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm about ready to burn the ships and just go <laughs> on my own. Um, but yeah, it's just been kind of to smooth out the ride and, uh, and, and I, you know, I do, I like, I like old people. They got a mm-hmm. lot of wisdom up in there. I mean, one of the things that I've always, whenever I see somebody who's over the age of 90, I ask them like, and they look like they're in good shape. Right. And like, what have you done? And it, it typically comes down to, they have quality relationships. They've exercised in some form their whole life. Stay active in some way, active yeah. in some way, like still out driving, mowing their lawn, walking yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Having a purpose having a purpose. And then they typically, um, you know, they manage their stress. Like they Mm -hmm. don't, you know, they read and they do things that just like tone things down. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. And, uh, you know, I I eventually do, I really think I want a gym because I do want the community aspect of it for me being smart. Like, I just don't think I need the overhead of being seen for what I do, especially right now, um, in person. Um, but I, I would love to have a 8am master's strength class where we just drink coffee (laughs) and, you know, um, keep these people lifting sessions. Yeah. So, and I mean, do balance and do CrossFit esque stuff, but, um, really just do the stuff that matters. I really like the balance, um, that CrossFit brings to be able to, get the cardiovascular benefits as well as the strength benefits. I mean, you're always kind of in the middle, right? Like, can you be the strongest you can be doing CrossFit? No, absolutely not. If you trained powerlifting, you could be stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, can I run the fastest I could ever run? Like, or, you know, no, because I also, I take time out of my day to work on my strength. So yeah. it's like, I'm not able to be the fastest and I'm not able to be the strongest, but I think being able to train both things and be well-rounded in both and have a, have your toes dipped into both is, is kind of the magic formula to it all. Um, yeah, I totally understand though, that you need to get people to do the things they're willing to do. Yeah. So if you're not willing to do that, then it's not going to work for you. Yeah. And, and I, I think that more simple things like 
training being a runner or training powerlifting can get people can kind of like get them in the door, get their foot in the door to some sort of fitness and then get them confident get them going in that. And then they're usually more able to like branch out, like from there, you know what I mean? So the, the one thing that I, uh, man, this is deeply philosophical. What, Are you sure okay, you want to say it then? It's okay to want what you want. Most people yeah want to just look good naked and feel strong. I want to squat 500 pounds and deadlift 600 pounds. And like, and you don't care if you look like shit naked then. No, I want to look good naked. And <laughs> I, will. I will like, and that there's another thing too. Like some of the, some, a lot of power lifters are freaking jacked and like, they've, they've struck a good balance between hypertrophy work. And yeah. like, I don't want to just be like a fat dude that just like likes to lift heavy. Um, like, looking good naked is also subjective, you know? Subjective. So. Yeah. I mean, I really only care like what my wife thinks. So, yeah. and that's fine with me. Um, and I, I mean, I'm, I still want to take my shirt off and stuff, but there's also this thing that's like, I want those goals. Like mm-hmm. I have made it clear in my mind that I want those goals. Do I, I like I said earlier, I don't want to get to 300 pounds to do it. I want to yeah. do it at a, like a relatively lean body fat. Yeah. It's going to take some time take longer. Yeah. yeah. It's going to take some time, but if I was doing CrossFit for me, because I gravitate towards endurance work, it would take me a lot longer if I could ever get there. Actually. So Kyle and I have talked about this before. If your goals are super heavy back squats and deadlifts, you will not get there with what we offer. You will not get there. That was the real, I handcuffed myself for about seven years. Okay. Hold on. I want to take that back. I should not say you will not get there. It depends on your starting point. Okay. And it depends on your dedication. There's a lot of factors that depend on it, but if you're, um, just like an average person coming in and that is your goal, you will not get there with CrossFit. You will need to bias your training towards that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. That's okay. I mean, you look at Matt Fraser and Rich Froning and, uh, Tia Clumi Terry. Sorry. Uh, I forget. Tia Claire Toomey. (laughs) they were probably already they i mean rich froning and matt fraser were already pretty damn good olympic lifters before they started crossfit and and i think what you're Uh, matt was on the olympic team for weightlifting yeah Yeah. so like they were already strong what i was good at and like what i probably could go back to really quickly is i can run three miles really freaking fast Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i i mean i not right now but i used to be able to run three miles you could have yeah I, i was i was good at doing that. It was very much in my just niche and it was what I gravitated. I am not good at doing that. (laughs) Well, and I mean, I played soccer growing up. I, I, it was already what I was doing. I was running. Yeah. Running. And I didn't understand the weight room. I was frankly afraid of the weight room. So I just run after weights. I was just, I gotta get, I gotta get working hard. Yeah. And I think you're right. Your starting point matters. Yeah. Um, and your, your bias matters too. What yeah. CrossFit, and we've already touched on this and you touched on it well, what CrossFit's going to do is going to give you a good base to, to either just stay fit, look good and get stronger than you already are. Cause it's going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want something specific, like runners, when we see runners in physical therapy, they need to get stronger because yeah. all they do is run. When yeah. you see people who are only lifting weights even not powerlifting oriented or anything. And they can't even go up a flight of stairs. They're wondering like (laughs) you need, I mean, being good cardiovascular is a, is a good foundation for powerlifters. It's just always this balancing act of what you want and Mm -hmm. where's the hole in your armor? Where's the, yeah. So, 
I mean, we have a, some runners here. Some of them end up converting. Yeah. Um, Cindy Sparks comes to mind. She's been a runner for gosh, we talked about on her podcast, like 35 years or some amazing number because, you know, she's in her fifties. And, um, she says that her running has never been better since doing yeah. CrossFit because she needed to get stronger. And, um, it, it it's kind of crazy. If you look at old pictures of her, um, she's been doing CrossFit at our gym. She's an OG member. So she's been a member for 10 years, you know, been doing it mm-hmm. a long time. Mm-hmm. But if you look back at her pictures previously, she was just one of those like skinny runner types. I mean, you see her now and she's just, she's totally jacked a six yeah. pack defined muscles. It's like, you know, just, um, PRing her running like times and things like that. So it definitely, you definitely need a little bit of both things. It just kind of depends on what you enjoy doing. And like I go back to before, like you need to do the thing you're going to do. Yeah. You need to, for your health, you need to do the thing you want to do. You know, yeah. like it, you need to do that. Well, you need to do the thing that's most palatable first. Because you just won't be able to sustain it long term if you don't like doing it. Even yeah. if you think you should be doing it, you won't do it. You won't do it if you don't enjoy doing it. And, you know, so while I think like CrossFit is the best thing, the best thing is the thing you'll do. Yeah. Well, and there's also, I, I do want to convey this. You have to find the entry point for yourself. And then you also have to realize that if you look, if you, I actually talked to the lady that was just coaching in my gym. It's like, you have to appreciate the gains you make. Because if you're always just saying, I want this next thing, I want this thing, I want this next thing. You're never satisfied and you don't take any gratification until it comes from the external because yeah. she's had multiple people tell her, it's like, oh, you're looking strong or you're, you look like your arms are toned. Mm-hmm. And she's like, so when she has that, she feels good. But I'm like, you have to find, like when I go out to my garage and I lift alone, mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like being there. Was that always the case? And is it always the case? Not necessarily, especially mm-hmm. when training kind of takes a dump, yeah. but I like it. I've made it something that I like. Do you like broccoli the first time you ever eat it? No. Do you like math the first time you ever do it? No. Like, (laughs) so you got to do it Mm -hmm. until and take pride in the fact that you're doing it. And that's one of the, the, we just, we just shortchange ourselves. We kick ourselves in the the pants because we, I don't even know if that's an expression. We just, we shortchange ourselves. We could ask Josh Kramer if it is. You don't know him, but, but he's, he's the, the king, king of, of puns cl- around king here. Of cliche. Yeah, yeah, king of cliche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clean. Yeah, I would, that's what I, meant. I would give that guy a run for his money. Um, <laughs> so, but it's true. Like, I mean, discipline, a cliche contest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, discipline is freedom. Uh, like, uh, oh, yes. Was- so I, I need to talk to Kyle about that because one of my ideas for a podcast for him and I, we do a lot of like mindset um, mm-hmm. talks and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And um, so we did one off of Jocko Willink's whole extreme ownership. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, we should really do one over discipline equals freedom. Even though we've talked about it before, I think, um, I think you can have a full on hour long conversation about it too. I could talk for days. I know. I know it. Let's not do that. Um, <laughs> and actually speaking to that, I think we should wrap it up. I think we yeah, this going like an good. hour and, um, You don't want to overwhelm people too much with too much information at one time because you can only process a little bit at once. And so I do try to keep the podcast around that like 60 minute time frame. So, um, yeah. So do you have anything else? Oh yeah. Well, like plug your Instagram and all that sort of stuff. Um, I would, I've talked about it before, but I would like to be able to like maybe refer people to you if I'm unable to help them with, you know, if they have injuries and stuff like that. So, and I just think to, 
so people can, you know, get a better idea of who you are and connect better to you in this episode. Plug your, your socials. My uh, Instagram handle is dave.strengthandkindness. Um, yeah, I, I do online like training and rehab. So it's, mm-hmm. it's basically consultations, um, programming modifications. Really, it's I, I listen to you for a good amount of time, go over your issues. We lay out a plan and then we course correct to get then you. Then you help to- them yeah. Yeah. do it. Yeah. I use my knowledge to help you get where you want to go. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Typically out of pain and in the performance. So awesome. Um, love it. Yeah. And then I'm on Facebook, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting in there. I'm dabbling. You myself. love Facebook. Yeah. I hate that place. <laughs> I know it's, it's definitely uh, not as fun, but that's where, you know, a lot of engagement happens and yeah. a lot of conversations and that's where a lot of people are, but, but yeah, it's definitely can also be a cesspool. So yep. do deadlifts. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Do your deadlifts, do your protein. I like it. Let's end there. So, um, we'll see you in the gym. Bye-bye.